Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. We've been in a series. This is our week number three. And it's just simply entitled, The Holy Spirit. And uh, if you will, again, you might want to turn into some scriptures today. But I want to open up with this particular scripture. And it's found over in Acts chapter 2, or excuse me, Acts chapter 19, verse 2. And it states this. It says, And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so I want you to remember that phrase when he asked them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And the response was, We've not heard of any Holy Spirit. And so we said this to you over the past couple of weeks, again, just to review just a little bit, as we've been learning about the Holy Spirit. We said that, you know, we've done a good job teaching about God and who God is and the heart of God and that God is love. And we've taught about Jesus and the heart of God and that for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus and that because of Jesus we have salvation. We've done a great job teaching about him. But to be honest with you, we've not really done a very good job. Just when I say church, I'm talking across the board. Churches. Churches have not done a very good job of teaching about the Holy Spirit. And I said to you last week, I think some of the times that we uh, have neglected in talking about the Holy Spirit is maybe because some of the, the weirdness uh, of things that we've heard about or seen, right? It seems as though we're afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I said to you, I said, if you've ever seen anybody weird and they blame it on the Holy Spirit, I said, without the Holy Spirit, they'd still be weird. Can I get an amen, right? Again, you don't need the Holy Spirit to be a weirdo. Again, you can be a weirdo all by yourself. But once again, I just believe that we have allowed ourselves to be afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit and who he is and what his purpose is. And so if you recall in the very first week, we said this, is that concerning the Holy Spirit, Jesus told us a lot about him and that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And every time that he referred to the Holy Spirit, he spoke of him as a him. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is a person or he is a person of the Godhead. He is God, but he is part of the Trinity, right? There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so if all we ever do is recognize or identify the Holy Spirit as being a force or being a power or being this mystical thing, then we'll fail to have the opportunity to know him personally. Because it's only when you identify that somebody or that he is a person that you have the opportunity to know him personally, right? And so you've got to know that. Secondly, we said last week that Jesus said a lot about who the Holy Spirit was and the attributes of who he was and what he was going to do as he came. But one of the things that we saw consistently and significantly over and over is that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to be a helper. So the Holy Spirit is here to help. He wants to be your friend. In fact, he's my best friend. 
I mean, if there's things that I need to know, if there's help that I have need of help in, I mean, he is my helper. Amen? You know, uh, just as of late, uh, again, this that came to my mind as I'm thinking about how the Holy Spirit is our helper. You know, my wife, she consistently says, you know, Lord, I thank you for favor. I thank you that you're working on our behalf, that you're making divine connections, and that the Holy Spirit is helping. And so, just uh, in the last few weeks, you know, I, I was able to, to, to buy a new truck. Well, it was it's a used truck, but new to us. And it had a white topper on it. Well, I'm not a topper kind of guy, but it came with the truck, so praise the Lord. And so, it, to me, it, the guy that I bought it from, he was 91 years old. And so, uh, it, to me, it kind of looks like a grandpa truck. And so I've been thinking, well, you know, I want to make it look a little bit younger, you know, to fit me, style it up a little bit. And so I wanted to get one of those covers that goes on, on, on the, the top. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I've been looking online, and I found this uh, topper thing that kind of covers the back of the bed. And the guy asked, was asking for a certain amount of money, and I said to him, I said, well, I said, I know what you're offering. I said, but this is what I'll give you for it. And so this is on Facebook. And Facebook's a wonderful thing. It's also kind of a scary thing. He writes back and he says, well, he says, I was wanting to get so much for it. He said, but since you're a pastor, well, the only way he knew I was a pastor is that he was able to check up on my profile, right? And so he says, since you're a pastor, he says, I'll give it to you for X amount of dollars or what you're asking for. I'm like, well, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I went out there to pick it up. Now, I'd also been looking for, like, those running boards or those pipes on the side. You know, my wife's a little bit shorter, so she wanted something to step up on. And, and so I was looking for some of them. And, and so he just said, hey, uh, I took these off the old truck as well. He said, I don't know if you're in the market for them. He says, but if you want them, I, I, I'll let you have them. And I says, well, what do you mean? Let me, well, I'm asking this much for them. I'm like, eh, I said, I really don't want to pay that for them. And he says, well, make me an offer. I said, well, I wouldn't want to insult you. He said, well, listen, he says, all I can do is say no. And so I made him a low, low ball offer. And he says, yours. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I was just giddy thinking, man, I got two for one basically. And so I was talking to my wife. She was talking to me as I was driving home. In fact, it was a little bit about an hour away that I went to meet this guy. And I told her what had taken place. She goes, oh, that's awesome. And then she called me back about 10 minutes later. And she was all excited. And I said, what are you all excited for? She goes, because that's what I pray for all the time, is that you would have favor, that we would have favor, that God would move on our behalf. And that's proof that the Holy Spirit was working on your behalf. You had favor. And so I'm saying that if we begin to recognize who he is, he wants to help in every area of your life. You know that the Bible says that you've got divine favor? I said, you've got divine favor everywhere that you go because of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Amen. You know, uh, again, just kind of this is just a little side note. You know, we've got men that work for General Motors here in, 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 in our church. And uh, they're talking about an upcoming strike that's coming down the road in September, I believe it is. And, then, you know, whenever they start talking strike, everybody gets nervous about it. But, you know, when it comes to a child of God, should we fear those kind of things? Absolutely not. In fact, for that matter, the whole entire General Motors factory ought to be thankful that there are Christians working within the factory because God's going to bless that factory and those other people because he's got to bless his kids. Amen? And so, man, there's no fear of what's coming down the road because we've got favor with God because of the helper, the Holy Spirit that's here on the earth wanting to help us in every element of our lives. And so... 
uh, we're learning who he is and we're learning to discover who the Holy Spirit is. But now today, the subject matter that I want to get into is a little bit different. And as you think about the topic, I can almost ask or, or hear people asking the question because, you know, Pastor, you've been telling me about this Holy Spirit, that he's a person, and you, you tell me that this Holy Spirit is a, is a helper. But maybe you're just asking, maybe you're this person that says, you know, this Holy Spirit that you're wanting me to get introduced to, and this Holy Spirit that you're trying to tell me wants to get to know me, is this Holy Spirit Pentecostal? <laughs> is this Holy Spirit that you're trying to talk to me, is, is he Pentecostal? And again, immediately when we start talking that way, what happens? We start getting these thoughts of weirdo, weirdness, right? Well, let me, let me answer or let's begin to answer some of these questions. Now, concerning just Pentecost as itself... Concerning Pentecost, there is a, it is a scriptural term. It is a biblical term, Pentecost. Also, when it comes to Pentecost, there is a cultural definition. There's a historical description. And then there's also a denomination, a Pentecostal church, right? All right, but in regards to the Holy Spirit, what is he? Well, first I want to... Uh, Share with you, it won't be up on the screen, but in Hebrews chapter 6, this is what it says. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, he said, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead and the eternal judgment. Did you notice what it says? It says, doctrines of baptisms. And he said, this was an elementary thing, right? Now, how many of you know that baptisms is plural? Well, I just thought there was one baptism. I thought you just get held under the water or something, and that's what baptism... No, there is baptism by water, there's baptism into Jesus, and there's baptism of the Spirit. There's baptisms, right? And he said that this is an elementary principle. So many people say, well, that whole baptisms thing is, is, is done away with. Well, let me ask you a question. Wave at me, if you will. How many of you went to elementary school? Everybody in here, I think? All right, good. If you didn't, just raise your hand and fake it, all right? It's okay. Now, the question that I have for you is when you were in school, you learned elementary principles, Right? You learned 2 plus 2 equals 4. You, you learned the alphabet, and you began to learn how to read, right? As you've matured and progressed and advanced in your education, did any of you ever lay down or put aside 2 plus 2? No. How many of you said, you know what, that whole alphabet and reading thing, that's for, that's for babies. I don't read no more. No, we don't do that, do we? But the Bible says that concerning baptisms, it says that it's an elementary thing, right? So concerning this, you know, again, after all, you know, John the Baptist was a Baptist, right? You didn't get that one. John the Baptist being a Baptist. All right. Now, anyways, we as a church, how many of you know we believe in water baptism? We believe in water baptism, but we're not Baptist. 
right? We believe in baptism of the Spirit, but we don't belong to a Pentecostal denomination. I mean, we're non-denominational. My point is this, is that we believe in baptisms. But my point is this, is that just simply because of what the Bible says or a scriptural word, we don't have to be afraid of a word that is entitled or labeled or named Pentecost. Right? Now, to help you out or to help you see a little bit more clearly concerning this, what is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? Well, For the New Testament church, most of the times where we get that word from is what we see over in Acts chapter 1, or excuse me, Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to begin to read in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Everybody say, fully come. come. Now, it's important that you understand that because, again, we've oftentimes misunderstood that or made it mean something that it wasn't. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them divided tongues as a fire, and sat on each of them, or upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, so what is Pentecost? The word Pentecost simply means 50, or 50th. The word penta, again, if you can remember geometry, penta simply means five. The word cost or costy means to the tenth power. So it simply means 50th. The word Pentecost means 50th. So the word 50th or the number 50, does that make you get weirded out? Does that make you scared about something? Let me try it. Ready? 50. (laughs) See? Nobody got weirded out about 50. And that's all that the word Pentecost means. Now, there is significance to that in the sense of what it's referring to in this scripture. Now, when it comes to the customs of old in the old testament there were there was actually a total of seven feasts that they would recognize but there were three major feasts that they would celebrate and recognize every year number one there was the feast of passover secondly there was the feast of pentecost and then there was the feast of tabernacles And once again, this was all in the custom or the Jewish custom or in the Old Testament. All right, so with that being said, the Feast of Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. All right, so the scripture says this in Acts chapter 2. It says, when Pentecost had fully come, the promise came. So let's define that or to bring significance or understanding to what it was. Jesus was crucified on Passover, right? Then he rose from the dead and spent 40 days with his disciples before he ascended, before he went back to heaven. But before he left, he says, now listen, go wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? And the Bible says that they waited 10 days. 
So 40 plus 10 is what? Is 50. So in the scripture of Acts chapter 2, when it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, what is it saying? It means the 50th day has arrived. And on the 50th day, the promise of the Holy Spirit was given. Amen. Does that make sense? So once again, this terminology of Pentecost has caused people to get weirded out and think, oh, you're one of those churches? It's just a word. And there's no reason for us to be intimidated or fearful of it. All right. Secondly, what happened at Pentecost? We identified what is Pentecost, but what happened at Pentecost or when that 50th day came? In Acts chapter 2, Starting in verse 5, we just read 1 through 4. But in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 5, it says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, what sounds he talking about? The mighty rushing wind and all these individuals that were speaking in, in other tongues. It says, when this sound had occurred, the multitudes came together and were confused. Everybody say confused. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled and saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans, or that word Galileans simply means uneducated individual. And it says, How is it that we hear each in our own language which we were born? And then in verse 11 it says, Cretans and Arabs we, are, we hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. Now, there's a couple things there because everybody focuses on the speaking part. But I want to challenge you that there was a greater miracle that took place and it was in the hearing part. Because the Bible says that there was men from every nation present. And it says each one of them heard them speaking in their language. Now, it's almost ironic because this is a very similar or almost the same story, but in reverse. Because in Genesis, if you recall, the Bible says that there was a people from every nation that were assembled together. Really, there wasn't nations. They were just assembled as a united people having one voice. Remember at the Tower of Babel? And it says because of their wickedness and their rebellion towards God, it says that God caused confusion to come and change their language. And it was upon that moment and that time when the nations were created or the different nationalities and the different tongues were created, right? But just as in that day, the extreme opposite took place right here on the day of Pentecost. It says that there was people of every nation and they were confused well why were they confused because they're saying we hear them speaking a universal language that we understand and they're speaking of the works of god come on i believe that this was a foreshadow of what heaven's gonna look like because you realize that heaven is not going to be a spanish-speaking place heaven is not going to be an english-speaking space they're not going to be speaking Swahili up there. There's going to be a universal language. I don't know what God's going to do or how he's going to do it, but everybody's going to understand, and everybody's going to be talking about and singing about and shouting about the wonderful works of God. 
Amen? And there's not going to be any confusion. Amen? So, the Bible says that they came together and they heard and they were confused because of the one language. Amen. Number three. We said that when it comes to Pentecost, we said that Pentecost is simply, it just means 50th. What happens, happened at Pentecost, we see that there was a changing of a language that caused people to hear and know of the power and the wonderful works of God. And number three, we can, what can we expect or can I experience Pentecost? Can you and I, can you as an individual, can you experience Pentecost for yourself? Now again, speaking of what took place on that day. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 3, it says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now remember I said to you earlier, that Jesus told 500 to go. But only 120 went. Now this is Jesus. See, we always get hung up on that, don't we? Say, man, if Jesus was here. If Jesus was here to hang out with me and tell me, man, everything would be cool. I mean, if Jesus was here and told me something, I mean, I, my faith would be like here, man, come on. But you see that there was 500 that not only heard about and seen about all the wonderful things that he did... There was 500 that heard about and saw the death, burial, and the resurrection. And then he says, now listen, I'm not done yet. I've got something special for you. Go wait for it. And 380 says, you know what? i got something better to do. I, I don't know if I really believe what Jesus is going to say to me. I, you know what? I think I'm going to go bowling that night. <laughs> right? I mean, it makes you just scratch your head, right? So what that tells me is that concerning this promise of the Holy Spirit is really a faith thing. Because notice what it says. It says that there was fire that came upon each of them. And it says that each of them were speaking. Now, let me just kind of paint the picture for you. Now, again, I'm just kind of thinking in terms of how it might look. But you got 120 in a room. 120 would fill this room pretty good. And we're looking around. And, man, I'm looking at Mario. Man, he's got a fire sitting on his head. Woo! I look over here. Man, Sandy and Katrina. Man, they got fire on their head. I look around. Man, everybody's got fire on their head. How many of you know it's hard to see the, own fire, your, the fire on your own head? I mean, it, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I can see it on you. I can see what God's doing in you. I can see God blessing you. I can see God just wanting to, 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 to turn your world upside down. But when it comes to the fire on my head, I've got to have faith. I've got to have faith that I've got the fire. I've got to have faith that the Holy Spirit wants to be on me as well. Right? Are you getting this? And so we have to believe by faith. Each had the fire. And again, we say, man, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if we were there at that time? Listen, you just being there at that time doesn't mean anything. Because it's still a faith thing. Right? So when it comes to Pentecost, can I experience it? Well, in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4 again, just giving you a couple of verses, it says, And being assembled together when, with them, 
Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise that was from the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptizes with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this was the promise that Jesus was talking about back in John's gospel. He says, this is that. And then as we move ahead, we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, <clears throat> it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, or something just kind of just got on the inside of them. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, he says, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Or in other words, how do we get this thing that you're talking about? How do we receive the promise? And then in 38 and 39, it says, Peter said to them, he says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. Now, just, just as a side thought here, because, again, this whole thing of what we call Pentecost, people say, well, yeah, but that was just for the apostles. But listen, the 12 were with the 500, and there was only 120 that actually went. So it wasn't just the apostles. We see that there was 120 that actually went, right? So there was the 12, there was the 120, and at this particular account in Acts chapter 2 where Peter is talking to them, there are 3,000 of them at that time. And he says that it's to you and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God shall call. Is God still calling people to have a relationship with him? Yeah. Yes, he is. And for those who are far off, I want you to know, I'm one of them. If you wondered who the afar off is, that's me. I'm the poster child. There was a time that I was afar off, but I came to a place of where I knew and found God. Amen? And just so that you're not thinking you're something that you're not, you fit the bill too. <laughs> you were one of those that were afar off, right? And he says, it's to you and to your children as many as the Lord calls, right? And then notice what it says here. Because again, people say, well, concerning the Holy Spirit, I received the Holy Spirit when I was born again or received Christ. But remember the scripture that we started with where he says to them, he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So that must mean that upon believing or receiving Christ, there is something additional in regards to the promise. Amen? Are you tracking with me? All right. So again, he says, the promise belongs to you. Now let me bring it back to some of the things that we had talked about earlier. Remember I said that there were the three feasts that they would celebrate or to recognize? There was the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus was crucified on the day of Passover. He was the perfect lamb. He was the lamb that shed his blood for the remission of of sin. Then the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost 50 days later. And then on the Feast of Tabernacles, and again we won't take time to, to define that, 
But in this era of the church, the Feast of Tabernacles is really a foreshadowing of the second coming of Jesus. So with those three things, let me ask you the question. Can you experience Passover today? Can you? Well, I see you shaking your head, yes, but let me ask you, were you there 2,000 years ago? So how can you receive Passover? Oh, it's by faith. You receive what Jesus did, that he was the perfect lamb that shed his blood for the remission of sin. And upon receiving Christ into my heart, I'm going to heaven, right? Can you receive or be a partaker of the Feast of Tabernacles when Jesus comes? Uh, Anybody? Can you be partakers of that? Sure we can. I mean, if you live long enough, and I'm believing that I'm going to be one of them when Jesus comes, I'm going to be taken up, man. Praise the Lord. Come on, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? But even if we don't live long enough, and if we go home to be with the Lord, the Bible says this, that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those that remain will be caught up in the clouds with him, right? So we're going to partake of the Feast of Tabernacles. So if I can partake of the Feast of Passover, which is salvation, if I can partake and receive and be a part of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the the return of Christ, then why can't I be a partaker of the Feast of Passover, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit? Well, he said, it's to you and those that are afar off. We started this morning by asking the question. He asked them, have you received since you believed? And so if you're a believer this morning, if you've received Christ, my question is, is have you received the promise of the Holy Spirit? And I'm talking about what we saw them experiencing on the day of Pentecost. And if you'd say, no, I haven't, then my question for you now is, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? Because we just saw that we're all qualified. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to challenge you this morning to think a little bit further than what you've ever thought before. Give yourself permission to even begin to enter the idea or entertain the thought that there's something that maybe God wants you to experience. And if there's a promise then maybe this promise belongs to you. You might say, well, how is it that I received that promise? It's by faith. And so I want you to simply ask the question, what's stopping you? What's stopping me? Is it a matter of what I've allowed to scare me, put fear, things that I've heard, Maybe the upbringing or the church experience that I had. 
Because you see, this isn't about a denomination. This isn't about a funny word. It's about a promise. And so I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But if you'd say, you know what, God, I want to experience what they experienced on Pentecost. I want to experience and receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then when I pray, then all you have to do, first and foremost, you have to be a Christian. You have to be a believer. So if you're not a believer, it's just simply saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. Come into my heart in Jesus' name. And it's just that simple. And upon becoming or being a Christian, the next thing is to say, Holy Spirit, fill me with the promise. And upon you asking for the promise, He will fill you. And the next step is simply for you to begin to speak. Now, the scripture tells us in Luke's gospel, it says, if you ask the Father or ask your natural father to give you a a piece of bread, will he give you a rock? If you ask him for a drink, will he give you a scorpion? He says, no. He says, you being evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, but how much more the heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? So, if you ask this morning... Holy Spirit, fill me. I guarantee you with 100% certainty, He will fill you this morning. No fanfare, no weirdness, just simply because you asked. And then the other step is just walking it out by faith. Amen? But we're going to take this initial step right now. I'm going to pray for you, and if that's you, you just pray along with me. And you just release your faith. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone that's under the sound of my voice. Those that are listening online. Those that are present in this service. We thank you right now that the promise of salvation belongs to us through Jesus Christ. And so for any individual that would say, I don't know Jesus. I've never received Jesus. Or maybe you feel like you've walked away from God. Right now, all you have to do is say, Dear Heavenly Father. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross, that he died for my sins, that he was raised from the dead. I believe Jesus come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sins in Jesus' name. And upon praying that prayer, you are now a child of God. You are now in the family of God. And now you are qualified for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here and you say, now, I want the promise. I want the gift. Then you just simply pray it this way. Holy Spirit, I believe. Holy Spirit, even where there's doubt and unbelief, I ask you to help my doubt and unbelief. Help me to see. Help me to know. And help me to experience. And Holy Spirit... I invite you into my heart, into my life right now. Come into me and fill me to the fullness of receiving your promise in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen.
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.